right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hillside. It is great to see all of you this morning. Uh, for those of you that are online, uh, we are, if you weren't aware of it, we are starting to gather back together in person. It's, it's very different. We're keeping it under 50. Uh, but if you haven't seen that yet, um, be sure to go on to our website and uh, sign up for next week's service or the week after that. We'd love to see your faces. It's really good to see all of you here this morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there, and all, thanks to all of you moms that made that possible for us to be dads. We're grateful, and I just want to celebrate that today. Quick announcement about uh, Kids Camp. Uh, the Kids Camp, as you all know, has been canceled this year. At least the in-person Kids Camp has been canceled. Uh, but there is going to be a virtual Kids Camp starting toward the end of July. So parents, you can sign up for that. Sign up your kids for that. Just go to our website, go to the children's section, and uh, find the information about the kids camp. <clears throat> uh, before we pray here, I want to just acknowledge the passing of someone uh, near and dear to the Hillside family and especially to the Shive family. Um, Trish's mom passed away this last week and uh, Trish and Kevin and, the ki and uh, Ellie and I think Sam is out there, I'm guessing, and some other folks have traveled out there for the service. Uh, so we just want to be lifting their family up in prayer. So let's pray for uh, that and for our time together this morning. <clears throat> Almighty God, we are just so grateful for the gift of family and the gift of fatherhood and the gift of fathers. And we thank you that you are our perfect father in heaven. And we just raise our praise to you, Lord. And Lord, as we lift up the Shive family and we lift up uh, the passing of Lynn. We are just grateful for her life and just so thankful and even joyful that she is with you, Lord. But there is still grieving to be done, and it's hard to have her gone. And we just pray for Kevin and Trish and their family. We pray for Daryl and just pray for everyone that knew and loved Lynn, that you would just bring comfort and peace during this time. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a family again and it is different, but you're still God, and your Holy Spirit is still drawing us together, and we are just grateful for that. Pray for your blessings on our time, and that you would draw us all together here in this room and in living rooms around the city, that you would just bring us together in worship and in truth. We just lift this time up to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Good morning. Let's all stand and worship our Father. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? was lost but he brought me in his love for me oh his love for me let's see who am i who am i that the highest king would welcome me i was lost but he brought me in oh his love The sun sets free 
In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. And all my days, I've been held in your hand. The moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, and I will sing of the goodness of God. all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice and you have led me through the fire darkest night you are close like no other i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend and i have lived in the goodness of god You have been faithful And all my life You have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God In all my life And all my life You have been faithful So, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness Your goodness is running after me It's running after me Your goodness is running after me running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after 
celebrated and you would be honored along with um, just the fathers in this community. I pray that they would be um, just honored as well. I thank you for the gift that it is that you give your children to be fathers and um, and follow after you and, and your example. So May you be praised today, and may our hearts be open to the message that we're about to receive. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hillside. Good to see you all. Happy Father's Day to uh, so many of you here and those watching. And it's uh, really a special year for me. This is my first grandfather's day, thanks to this little one down here. So that's pretty exciting. And another one on the way, so pretty excited. <laughs> New season of life, fun stuff. Well, this morning as we get together and, and talk about fathers, we're going to talk about the significant role of a father. Um, obviously, this year has been very um, transforming for me, thinking about my father. My father passed away January 7th, a little over six months ago, and um, I feel like it's been Father's Day ever since because uh, we're now living on his property and Every day I think about my father. Every day I see something he fixed or worked on or did something. And so um, Kevin had asked me, is this going to be tough for you to speak today on Father's Day? And I said, really, actually, no, it's, it's easy for me because um, it's just been what's kind of captured my mind over the last six months in, in many, many ways. And so um, it's been fun watching the effects and the, the impact of the role of a father on a family. Everyone's words get louder and their actions get louder when you die. Put it that way. So all, all of a sudden you start to really start taking that in and, and you think about memories a little different. You think about words your father said a little different. And, um, and I also know and realize that there are many, many in this world who have not experienced a good father. 
and these messages sometimes can be hard for them. And today I just really want you all to think about the role of a significant leader, really. Fathers um, are one of those significant leaders in the world, but I do think um, all of us, whether male or female, can experience uh, and learn from the life of a leader. And so, as uh, for those of you that maybe read the question that I um, laid out there in the Hillside uh, email, um, when considering the role of a father, what is the one role they played that's leaving a lasting impression on your mind? And that question is, uh, I think, going to be a little different than for all of us. And I think as you kind of ponder that and think about those roles and think about the most impact you've experienced in your life, I think um, it's good because... Where your impact is where you will impact others both negatively and positively. And I think we're thinking positively and, and looking at the example of good fathers out there and those who have played certain roles in your life. Uh, fathers play roles in so many different ways. I remember as a young kid moving through my neighborhood and hanging out in different fathers' homes. And you learn from them different things than you learn from your own father. And I just think it's a, it's a significant role that um, is important to reflect upon. I also think there's a there's an attack on the heart of a father that I've watched over the last many years. There's an attack, there's an attack of the evil one that, that is directly driven towards a father. And it usually looks like this. It's usually challenging a father to shrink back in the midst of adversity. Be like, well, whatever, just let it roll, whatever. I'm not going to step in and lead. This attack that says if I step in, I might get in the way, or I, or I might do something I shouldn't, or I, it's easier just to kind of back and pull away from it all. The other we see in our society is this attack that challenges the father's ego, and it challenges them to step in and dominate and control. So it's kind of that opposite reaction, which is also a negative reaction father thinks, you know, I'm going to be the head of the household and darn it, I'm going to tell everybody what they're going to do and how they're going to do it now. And it creates this tension between children and fathers. And then the other is this temptation to use all our leadership as fathers in our work life. As much as we want to say that that's not our identity, in many ways, what we do day in and day out creates a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a sense of this is who I am. And it is so easy as a father, and you fathers in here understand this, to pour into your work. And then as soon as you walk through the door at home, you're like, just done. Just done. I'm not going to make any more decisions. I'm not going to make any more um, moves forward. I've, I've been doing that all week long. Those are, where I, those are the three areas I see the, the father's heart being attacked. And so I think it takes combat to go after that stuff and to win and really step into the right places with that. And so I, I want to think through, you know, my own father and kind of the vision he brought to our family. I want to think through a little bit more about, like, what are the, the, the three roles that I see that he really exemplified uh, as I've reflected over the last six months. Like I said, there's so many roles you could go into, so many things we could look at. But I want to pick up three areas that I think could relate to all of us at some level. And when I think about my father, I think a lot about the man Joshua in the Bible. 
Joshua was one of these guys that, that got the chance to lead the children of Israel into the promised land and create a vision and, and lead with proficiency and get to a place where he got to the end of his life and he's kind of saying his last message in Joshua 23 and he's starting to help the people understand and remember what they had learned in following his life. So if you would turn with me to Joshua chapter 23, verses 1 through 8, I want to look at this kind of final message. Jeff, I might have told you 24, didn't I? It's Joshua 23. I apologize for that. Joshua 23, verses 1 through 8 says this. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them, Joshua then, old and well advanced in years, summoned all of Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. And it is the Lord your God who fought for you. Now remember how I had allocated as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I had conquered between the Jordan and the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you and you will take possession of this land as the Lord your God has promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that there is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with the nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods that I swear upon them. You must not serve them nor bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. I think that final message that he gives to the children of Israel is so key. He talks a lot about their God. Who are they going to serve? The God that had brought them over the Jordan into the promised land. He talked a lot about that land and what the significance of that land was and the importance of that land that was given to them as an inheritance. And then he talked about a remembering of the battle they won. And as you know, if you followed Christ for any length of time at all, some of the greatest victory you have right here in your head is when you remember who won. That you remember who you're following. You remember who's went before you. You remember that Jesus did conquer death, hell, and the grave. Those things give us victory. So I want us to talk first about the role of casting vision. The role of a father who casts vision. I think it's important to realize that later on in Joshua 24, you know, there's this challenge where he's talking about where, what are we going to do? Who are we going to be about? Are we going to fall into the gods of the, the foreigners that they're taking over this land and they start seeing some of the foreign gods? And, and some of the people of Israel kind of got sucked in and started following these foreign gods. And He says, hold on, but as for me and my house, what does he say? I will serve the Lord. He was remembering, casting a vision. We're moving into a place. We're moving into a territory that's tough, that's hard to deal with. So we have to remember who we're going to serve and who we're going to be about. 
and remember the land that's been given to us. One of the things that, uh, unique ways I saw this in my dad's life, how he cast this vision, was during really this sense of um, mealtime prayers. Mealtime prayers. It was always a tradition in our house to sit around the table, and usually my dad prayed. Sometimes he would ask one of us to pray, or one of us would speak up, say, I'll pray. And I was thinking back, just remember, what do we usually pray about? We always prayed about God being our provider of food and thanking him for the food. Very traditionally like that when you think of a meal prayer. We also spend a lot of time thinking about the weather. Where we live um, on our property up there, it's really important to have rain, not only because of forest fires and such like that, but the rains fill what we have. We have a spring and we have a well. And the spring really relies significantly on the rain. So praying about the rain is always important. And so we'd always thank God for the weather or pray for rain to come because the well is what feeds all our dirty water systems in the house. And, and when that's not happening, we have to use the clean water systems and the well would oftentimes run out. So we prayed a lot about the weather. And then we would always pray about significant concerns in the family. If there was someone that was ill, someone who was struggling, someone who needed something. Those three things used, used to always be captured. And as a kid, I just, that's just what we did. But now, reflecting back, you start thinking about it, and you realize we really took seriously that prayer of provision and God being involved and casting that vision that God is in charge. We also had very unique moments. And I would call these unique moments when my dad and I were just hanging out alone, and we'd be, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. That we, one of the first things my dad did on our property is he finished our sauna. So we still have that same sauna today. He finished that room so he could work all day on the house when he was framing it and, uh, and then go sit in the sauna at the end of the night. So um, we would continue to have that, those times where, hey, Dan, it's sauna night. Let's go sit down there. And I always knew if things were good, there was going to be some great conversation. If things were bad, that's when he was going to drill in. So why did you make that decision, Dan? And I had to wrestle, and we had these deep conversations. And so, you know, between that and up cutting wood, maybe sitting on the sofa king, whatever, we would, we'd start talking out riding horses. And my dad and I would just have these deep moments of just talking through the stuff in life, the significant things in life. And I think looking back, we really talked a lot about um, his decisions that he was had going on in his life. I, I, I think back how many times he was talking to me about his business. Um, we talked a lot about my decisions, whether good or bad. But we had this ongoing conversation. And I think casting vision is an ongoing conversation. You remember in uh, Deuteronomy 6-7 where he talks about, you know, talking about God and his, and his coming and his going and his rising up and his laying down. We talk about God. We wear him around our neck in a sense. Everywhere we go, we post it on the doorposts of our house. That was what the children of Israel were challenged to do. And that was so we could remember and have a significant vision before our eyes all the time of what God wanted for our lives and for our family. And I think that's important in casting a vision. Another unique thing in casting a vision that I saw in my family that I would challenge you is, is don't lose the stories. Don't lose the stories. Our family seems to be and tends to be a, a storytelling family. And I've got some videos of my dad in his last, uh, actually last month of life. 
he would just sit in the recliner next to me and I would just hit play on my little video recorder and just, he had no idea, but he's just telling stories. And one of the stories that he shared with us uh, kind of on the very end that uh, I had totally forgot about, I remember just inklings of it when I was a little, little youngster, but before he married my mom, he was uh, out visiting his brother out on the farm in North Dakota, that's where he's from, and his brother was an airplane pilot and it was his younger brother, Eddie, and he loved and adored Eddie. Eddie was this little short, stocky guy, and he, uh, he had twin girls. And he, dad was out there visiting, and, and he, he kept saying, hey, why don't you come with me, and we'll go on a ride, and we'll ride up to the farm in the airplane, and we'll stop. And my dad called back home here, and they, you know, they're like, no, we need you to get back, Dad. Um, things are going down. We need you back in Denver. And so he wrestled back and forth whether he was going to take this plane ride with Eddie or not. And in the end, he decided just to tell Eddie sorry and he was going to get, get on home. And so Eddie took off with his two twin girls in the back of the plane, heading to the farm. Dad took off in a car to Denver. Dad arrived back here in Denver to a phone call that Eddie had crashed the airplane and was killed. And the story goes that Eddie went like this right before the impact and his two twin girls hit his arms and, and like slammed in and they fell on top of him. They both lived and they're, uh, Gail and I are friends on Facebook today, one of the twins and um, dad knows he probably would have died with Eddie because of his, just their, their pure weight as, as men crashing versus these young children. And, and so he always says, I, I know God directed my life that day in that decision. And it would have changed everything, the course of our whole lives. And I think those kind of stories and reminding and remembering our, reminding our children, remembering ourselves, what, where are places God has protected you in your life and protected your family? And sharing those stories, sharing where God was good. And, you know, the stories of when there was not enough money to pay all the bills and God came through and provided that. I think that's important for us to do in casting vision. So guys, we need to cast vision. Second thing, creating meaningful spaces. For those of you that know um, our life as a whole, Jen and I are all about creating space. We love creating spaces. We love creating meaning meaningful place places where people can come together and have community. Uh, whether it's a restaurant or Jen's workspace or our construction projects, that is what jazzes us. And it's not about the space, it's about what can happen in spaces. And I realized as I was preparing for this message and really thinking through it, um, one of the most exciting things for us right now, we've moved back onto my parents' property and we've purchased that home. And seeing the space my parents created there and my dad has built with his own hands and getting involved now back creating that space. And it really has nothing to do with the space other than with the memories it's going to create for our family and friends and the times we get to spend and the things we get to be involved in and the adventures we get to have together. And I think that's important to realize. Acts 17, 26 says, God has appointed the very times and places with which we should live. And I think that's important to realize. That's sovereign. That's what God wants. It's important. And it can be whatever is unique to our family. I think realizing that Dad took our home and our land seriously. That home is where we spend so much of our time. It doesn't matter where you live, how big your house is, how small your house is, whether you're renting a place or own a place. It doesn't matter. 
Home is, that saying, is where the heart is. That's where we do life together. That's where the significant things of life happen. That's where the significant conversations happen. That's where the significant decisions happen, whether we're going to take a new job, go on a vacation, uh, invite someone over. It's, it's a significant place. And Joshua really laid that out for us when he was talking about this inheritance and moving into the promised land. That it was going to be a place flowing with milk and honey, a place that God had prepared for his people. And I think that's really what we're being invited to be a part of. It's creating and being serious about our homes and stewarding them well, making it a place for family. And then, you know, creating experiences out of our home. I get amazed just watching these different families do different things. And I'm like, oh, I could never lead my family to do that because it's not who I am. It's not what, what my experience was growing up. I was in a family's home last week, and they were talking about everything they do for skiing. Like, they're just a skiing family, and they have so many memories. They have, you know, those kids are going to talk about their dad riding up the lift with them, having significant conversations with them. You know, like, it's so different for every family. And my dad did this. He was raised on a farm, as I said, in North Dakota. And some of the things he really, like, he, he led our family to experience what it means to raise a team of donkeys that pull a cart. How silly is that? Especially in Colt Creek Canyon, there's not a lot of donkey carts up there. But he raised these donkeys, and I was showing Jess yesterday, there's this, this thing that he would hook onto, this like sleigh that he would drag them, training the donkeys so they couldn't go very fast, make them work really hard and wear them down. And then little by little, then he bought this really cool, it looked like an old stagecoach, but it had four um, rubber tires on it like a car. And he would take us kids all over the canyon in that thing and take it into parades. And all the grandkids would come up and um, they would ride around in it. And, and it's just memories based on his experience growing up. And I think those kind of things are important. We had farm and livestock, you know. We, had, we, we got cows that you would learn, to learn their names and pet their heads and pretty soon they're on your plate, you know what I mean? And so that, those kind of things were, would happen. And it was just significant because... We learned how to butcher animals, and we had chickens, and we had pigs, and all this stuff. And that was all a big part of the experience of what we were learning as a family. Gardening, and, and probably more than anything, just hard work. Realizing hard work is something a father can really help his children learn. And then my dad neighbored really well. He neighbored really, really well. Um, all his neighbors knew him. You know, and I think he led our family to know the neighbors. And, and he did that by saying, you know, I'd get so mad as a teenager. Dan, come on. We're going to go over there and help him get some wood in. <sighs> Again? Yep, we're going. And now I look back on that like, that was awesome. we got to help the neighbors get their wood in for the year. You know, and like things like that. And, you know, even yesterday, Jess and I were getting wood in, weren't we? And uh, we were getting a bunch of wood put up. And the neighbor came by, and uh, he's the one across the street from us. And he started talking about, you know, my dad helping getting wood and how some of the wood we were putting away yesterday was probably some of the wood off of his property and, you know, how he just really appreciated my dad and my mom. And there's one more big tree that he wants to take down his property. He asked if we would take it down. And he said, if that'll keep your mom warm for the winter, let's take it down. And so I just, I just love that, that neighboring that was happening while he was up there. And, you know, he was a heating and air conditioning guy, so he touched about every furnace in the, in the canyon, and so that was, that was a big deal. But I think that's something we can 
do in creating meaningful spaces. You know, when God says, love your neighbor as yourself, he might be actually talking about your literal neighbor, you know, and thinking and knowing them and being a part of their lives as they are yours. And then the third role I want to uh, talk about, which is, I think, probably the most important role as a father, and the role that will keep you up the most at night, the role that will um, sometimes rip your heart out, and that's defending your family. Defending your family is, is an important role. Proverbs 14, 26 says, The fear of the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it is a refuge. And it's just realizing that our reverence and fear of the Lord as a father is really important. And it's really important because God has invited us to take a part with him in doing battle for our families. And again, I, that, that attack against the father's heart is to get the father to shrink back or to raise up in anger or to be completely absent. And God's saying, no, our role as a father is to step in and defend the family. And defend the family, first of all, I think our biggest weapon is prayer. Prayer is our biggest weapon. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I watch my dad every morning. You know, I, I wish I could be as faithful as he was. Every morning, he, in, in, his, in his Bible and praying for our family and making his lists of prayer. And, and uh, even to the very end, in his last week of living, um, I would stay on the recliner next to him and just watch, make sure he didn't need anything throughout the night as he was on his way to death. And, and he, one night, um, he, uh, he goes, oh, he looks over at me and, and he says, I saw your, I saw your foot move. I was so thankful to have you there. And, oh, thanks, Dad. He says, oh, I've had a privilege tonight. And I said, you've had a privilege? I'm like, Dad, I'm like in the middle of sleep here. What's going on? Oh, I've been, just been praying for all the kids. I couldn't sleep, so I've just been praying for all the kids one by one. I forgot some of their names. <laughs> but I've been praying for them one by one. God knows them, you know. But it's such a privilege to the very end. And I, and I think about that. I think about that prayer is so, so key. Defending our families in prayer. He always seemed to also defend and be there at the right time at the right place physically. So many times I was struggling and he just showed up and helped. So many times uh, I was in trouble and he just firmly and quietly dealt with it. I'll never forget. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real transparent here for a second. I was an idiot as a teenager sometimes. Anybody, ever, anybody else up there willing to say you played mailbox baseball before? Well, I did. And that means you try to knock, knock mailboxes off, driving by in the back of a pickup truck with a horrible. I'm not saying that's good. No one try that. It hurts, too. Because well, those guys up in the canyon, they knew how to make them on the steel, you know, and then you hit them. You think you can, yeah, break your hands. But we were being idiots, and one of these older boys up there decided he was going to chase us. He, he saw us take a swing at his, his mailbox. And so he started chasing us all the way back to my parents' house, and we're just flying through the dirt roads, and by, my adrenaline's going, and I'm like scared to death. He's, this kid's going to get out and just beat me up, and I'm sorry. The only thing I can think of is I got, I got to go grab my gun. Stupid, huh? And we pulled in, and I roll in the house, and I see my dad going, doing and I roll in and I grab our little 22 pistol or uh, rifle and I 
roll back around and fly into the kitchen, and he just like, boom, stops me in my tracks, grabs the gun, hands it to mom, what are you doing? And I just think of those memories, and I have no idea what I would have done with that. I, I, I was just this teenage brain just out of control and full of emotions and mad and because someone shouldn't be mad at me for knocking off mailboxes, you know? Silly stuff. But I just remember there's so many moments he would just step in and stop me in my tracks as a young man. And I think that's, as dads, we just need to be aware, be alert, be in the right place at the right time, and God will guide us in all that. God will guide us in all that and protect us and protect our family in all that. And then one of the things that I think is most tender and precious and all that that I watched with my dad is, is he brought this love and faithfulness and extended it to people in the midst of their struggles. I'd see him, especially after he, he retired, he kind of did the full right on to 65 and then retired after 65, he lived, lived to 89. And in that period of time, he's on the phone all the time. Anytime we're just around, he's talking to someone in the family, checking in, and it's always those who are in tr- struggling wrestling, having a hard time, not knowing, lost their job, lost their house, whatever it was, he's on the phone with them, and he'd pray with them, and he'd talk with them, and he'd encourage them, and he was just extending this, and I think uh, Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says this, let love and faithfulness never leave you, then you'll win favor and have a good name in the sight of God and man, and I think that was the significance. He, he let love and faithfulness just be there and be present. And what, the, what that creates in a person's life with their family, with their God, and with mankind is just this favor. And I think as, as men, that's really important. And I think the last thing I want to mention under this defending your family is he knew his own weakness and embraced it too. And men, we're, we have areas of our lives that are weak, that we're not good at, that we struggle. We'll never be like the guy across the aisle from us that just seems to be so good at fathering like that. And you, you're going to be, you're going to struggle in an area, and, and they're going to be better in an area, and they're going to struggle in other areas. We all need to know our weaknesses and embrace it. One of the hardest things to do as men is admit our weaknesses. It's really, really tough to say, ah, I'm just not good at that. Or I'm really, really struggling today. I need your help. It's really hard for us as guys to ask for help. But I think the more we embrace and know and put our weaknesses into the light, the more significant it is. And I'll tell you something. I've walked with a lot of guys in the last year who have went through some tough stuff. And the tough stuff has broken them down where they're now admitting their weaknesses. And it's a really beautiful picture to see us admit our weaknesses. But I will say I've felt in some of these conversations of like, oh, we've got to learn to do this sooner before life all breaks down, before life starts falling apart. Guys, if we can learn to be honest with our weaknesses, be transparent with our weaknesses, tell our buddies about our weaknesses. Tell our wives if you're married about our weaknesses. It's important to admit these things because it's amazing how much we can grow when we're just honest and transparent. And I think that's a healthy, healthy way to do life.
So all this said, I'm going to give you three applications today to consider. Three questions that hope can help you really walk in to this place. I think it's important to know what you're going to be about in this life. What are you going to be about? Jen and I are going through a um, kind of a life plan thing. And uh, one of the things they have you do, which is just bizarre, is to write your own obituary. Uh, it's kind of reverse engineering. It's like, what do you want at the very end of your life? What, write it out as if someone's reading it at your funeral and, and work on it and dig on it, get it deep. And then what happens is you start to say, what is going to have to change in my life for that to be reflected in my funeral? What are my values going to need to be? What are my actions going to need to be? What are you going to be about in this life? What are you going to be about? And I think we've all probably been in some memorial services or funerals that you walk out and you think, ah, that's kind of a bummer. You know, there wasn't much said about that person that was significant. And for us as followers of Jesus, that significance is eternal. You know, it's not he who dies with the most toys that wins. It's not he who has the most friends that wins. It's the ones who live their life in such a way on this earth that it impacts eternity. It moves people towards Jesus. What are we going to be about? What are you going to be about? No one can tell you that. It's, it's internally you as a man have to determine that as a father. What am I going to be about? How am I going to father my children? What's this going to look like? And guys, it's never too late. You may have said, yeah, I just haven't done that for my first 30 years of fathering or whatever it is. It's never too late. Never, ever, ever too late. There's things that dads do with their kids in the last days of their lives that that'll never be forgotten. It's never too late. Number two, what is one role you want to focus on and grow in? Like think, think about some kind of a practical routine maybe. One thing you want to do that just... I'm just going to add this to your life. And I, I say start small. Start small. And add it to your life. Let it become something you enjoy and move into. It becomes a habit. And habits are not only hard to break, they're hard to begin. Especially when they're healthy habits. And so I just challenge you. Think through. What are, what's a small routine? What's one role you could start to focus on and grow in? And then this last one is just where are you most vulnerable in your fathering? Where do you feel the most vulnerable? Where do you struggle the most? Recognize it. Maybe it's an area you need to shore up. Maybe it's an area you need to admit. Maybe it's an area you just need to wrestle with a little bit and say, this is where I'm just missing it right now. And I'm vulnerable. I'm vulnerable to the evil one that could get in there and try to shift you aside and get you back to that place of pulling back, shrinking back, or, or, or getting, using your authority wrong, or whatever it might be. Where, where are you vulnerable? Let God speak into that a little bit. So I just, in closing, want to just say how important it is to consider your role as a father this Father's Day. And how Next Father's Day, if you practice some of these things, um, 
you will never regret it. You'll never regret it. Just focus on this year, this next year as a father, and see what God can do through your life through just being faithful and consistent. Let's pray together. Oh, precious Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to honor the role of a father. We've seen this role get so attacked over the years in our culture. God, we trust that you honor and have given us a, a road map full of faithfulness and hope. So Lord, we want to follow you. We want to shore up those areas that we're, we're missing. And God, we want to be good fathers to our children. We want to follow your example as we walk through this culture and through this world. So Lord, lead and guide us. Help us grow. Help us be the men you want us to be. And Father, we'll give you all the praise.
troubled mind it isn't anxious it's not the restless kind your love's not passive it's never disengaged it's always present it hangs on every word I'll keep its promises it's worth honors for sake. Since vows are gone, your love's not broken, not insecure. Your love's not selfish. Your love is pure.
How deep the Father's love, one more time. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure.
this last song, let's uh, just really meditate and focus on each and every word that will come out of our mouths. We will be very intentional about singing them, praising our Father with them, and then um, going and living it out and showing that we truly understand it. So let's sing God, You're So Good together.
Oh God. 
Lord God, I thank you just for the chance that we have to praise you and worship you in song as we've done this morning. And I pray that as we go out, we would um, just continue to praise you and worship you in our lives and what we do, what we say, what we think, how we treat others. And yeah, I just pray that we would make you our Father, just joyed to see us and to watch us and to lead us and guide us. So Lord God, I thank you um, just for our fathers and bless them this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day.